Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host. With me as usual is my good friend and co-host, Scott Hemenway. Say hello, Scott. <sighs> hello, Scott. You can say more than that, but not I yet. I usually do. Because I'm going to say happy birthday, Scott. Oh. It's Scott's birthday tomorrow, the day after recording. So Scott's birthday is on October 18th. I can finally drink. <laughs> You're old enough to drink. Yeah, I'm finally and, old enough to drink. And what else happened today? Uh, we got, We were interviewed. We were interviewed for newspaper, and what else happened today? Uh, oh, weed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, weed. But not for us. <laughs> no, no. But if we wanted. Yeah, strange. We, we can absolutely uh, go uh, procure some. People say it's too expensive. That's what you were saying, yeah. Dark poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. Listener discretion is strongly advised. We're not experts on any of the topics we present, nor are we professional journalists like the one we talked to today. Yes. We're just two regular Canadians interested in crime and the darker side of history. Let's get to it. Put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double and a Nanaimo bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. Uh, this is episode 45. That's it's the same number as my birthday tomorrow. 45. I'm 45. We're recording holy 45 s- when I'm turning smokes, 45. Holy yeah. smokes. It was meant to be. I Yeah, we planned it all that way. We did, from the origin story of us. Yeah, well, when I was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, continue. <laughs> no. No. So the previous episode that we did has gotten some great responses from people. In mm-hmm. particular, Wesley Hallam's mom shared the episode with her friends and saying, people of Sault Ste. Marie, you should listen to this. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I can't uh, fully articulate how that feels to have a member of the fa- a family member of one of the cases you cover appreciate it and share it and thank us like that the the it that's a wonderful feeling yes thank you sandra if you're listening again thank you so much absolutely uh as with many of our episodes we had a few requests to take on this story we tend to do resolved stories but there's so many compelling stories like this one this one's about a 16-year-old girl who went missing in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, a small city of about 16,000 people. Hmm. And this happened on April 12, 2016, so it's very recent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Michaela Margaret Kim Bali was born on July 2, 1999, to mom Paula Bali, who raised Michaela and her siblings as a single mom. Paula's sister, Rhonda, has lived with her since they were both in university together, so oh, that's okay. a long time for sisters to live together, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. And after Rhonda suffered a brief but serious illness, leaving her wheelchair bound, their mother, Michaela's grandmother, moved in also to help raise the children. Mm, yep. So grandma. So daughter. it's grandma, aunt, yeah. mom, kids. That's a big household. Yeah, three kids. 
Yeah. Michaela and her younger brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, okay. Michaela's father, Rick Breit, although living separately from his daughter, cared for her as much as an absent father could. Prior to her disappearance, Michaela's mother said she was kind and generous, but shy and quiet. Paula Bali also said that Michaela loved to sit for hours reading. Mm. Apparently, she loved animals and taking photos of them, especially birds. Oh, cool. Michaela was musical as well, practicing violin and piano, taking part in local music recitals. I saw one picture of her playing a blue violin. She sounds like a very creative individual. Absolutely. She also really loved children, too, including her younger brother and sister. Mm. And she had designs on becoming a kindergarten teacher. Oh, wow. Great profession. Yeah, very noble profession, yeah, although, yeah. albeit very underpaid, I believe teachers should be paid a lot more than they are. I agree, and it's not a job I could do because my tolerance level for uh, chaos isn't uh, You were high. a supervisor in a call center. It, you're thus, a, you're thus a teacher. The damage has been done. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's true. On Jordan Bonaparte's nighttime podcast, Paula Bali, Michaela's mother, said uh, Michaela was an easy kid to raise. She was balanced and not adventurous. Oh. Yeah, that's what she said. Okay. If you want to listen to more of what Paula had to say, check out uh, Jordan Bonaparte's nighttime podcast episode about that. And it's called Where Is Michaela Bali? Mm, okay. Paula said Michaela was more of a homebody and wasn't interested in the usual teenage experimenting in drugs and or alcohol. Paula said that she believes that Michaela was not the type of teen anyone would suspect might go missing one day. Okay, not that there's a type, but okay. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly what happened though. This is the disappearance of Michaela Bali. On the morning of April 12, 2016, Michaela Bali was dropped off at Sacred Heart High School in Yorkton, Saskatchewan at around 8.20 a.m. by her grandmother. For some reason, unknown to all but Michaela herself, she left school between 8.25 and 8.30 a.m. Skipping school was apparently out of character for Michaela. She walked along Gladstone Avenue past the city's other larger high school, Yorkton Regional, before turning east along Smith Street around 10 minutes later. Somewhere between 8.40 a.m. and 9 a.m., many believe closer to 8.40, Michaela entered Terry's Pawn and Bargain on 3rd Avenue North. Michaela did not pawn anything, as you would have to be 18 or older to pawn items in Saskatchewan. She was just browsing and not looking for anything in particular, and left quickly. According to a Redditor from Yorkton, the pawn shop is frequented by kids looking for cheap deals on jewelry, instruments, and electronics. Unlike pawn shops I've seen here, it is not seen as a sketchy place. Between 8.50 and 8.55, security footage shows Michaela entering the TD Bank branch at 63 Broadway East, taking a small amount of money out and then leaving. She headed eastbound along Broadway East and was next seen entering the Tim Hortons at 160 Broadway. Security footage at the Tim Hortons showed Michaela buying a coffee and then sitting for the next 15 minutes alone. She left at around 9.30 and wandered in the parking lot as if looking for someone before walking northbound on 8th Avenue North. She was seen wandering near the Giant Tiger and Superstore parking lot just a block away on 100 and 200 block of Broadway East. Before walking northbound very briefly on 6th Avenue and then turning back through the parking lot and back into the Tim Hortons. She sat in the Tim Hortons from 9.50 until 10.45. No one comes to meet her at the restaurant. She spends the whole time there alone with her cell phone. Police say she may have been talking with somebody on her phone. They're still looking for someone who may have overheard anything that Michaela was talking about that day. At some point, she texts messages to friends saying, I need help. She follows up quickly later on with another text, Don't worry, I figured it out. After leaving Tim Hortons, Michaela walked westbound on Broadway Street East past the Key Yorkton Kia dealership and crossed the 7th Avenue intersection toward the Ramada Hotel. 
She briefly turned around and went southbound on 7th Avenue for a short distance. Michaela again then turned around and walked past the Ramada. Over the next hour and 10 minutes, from 10.45 a.m. to around 11.55 a.m., Michaela's whereabouts are unknown. Of course, RCMP are very curious about where Michaela went and what she got up to during this time. If anyone saw Michaela during that period, even briefly, it may give police an idea about what has happened to Michaela. You can call them at 1-844-880-6581. Between 11.55 and noon, Michaela re-entered Sacred Heart High School, and then she left again about five minutes later. Michaela was next seen at the Trail Stop restaurant in the STC Bus Depot building about 1.6 kilometers away from her school at 35 1 Avenue North. Michaela ordered poutine for lunch, paid cash, and sat there as she ate it. There were no security cameras in the bus station or the restaurant at this time. It is unknown if Michaela sat with anyone in one of the restaurant's booths. When Michaela left the Trail Stop restaurant at 1.45 p.m., it was the last time she's been seen. It has been determined that she did not board a bus. Hmm. Wow. It's, uh, it seems very bizarre, her uh, walking around. Uh, it's like she's waiting. waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those texts, given hindsight, they seem bizarre and suspicious. A little but, ominous. But, yeah. you know, just a regular normal day, you receive that from a friend. You're like, oh, okay, I guess they just, it was something fairly. But considering what had ha- what well, happened yeah. to her, it makes it very uh Interesting, yes. Michaela's grandmother came to pick her up after school. When Michaela didn't come out, Grandma went inside to search for Michaela. Hmm. You've had that exact experience. Uh, Yes, it's terrifying. Yeah, but in this case, she doesn't find her. Yeah, I I can't. I can't imagine. When the girl was nowhere to be found, Michaela's grandmother left. Uh, She was quite upset. Yeah. Michaela was reported missing that night by her mother, Paula, who called the police. It's got to be one of the scariest things. Oh, I can't even fathom. Yeah. On April 13th, 2016, the media picked up on the story. The end of one article four days after Michaela vanished read, Her family and police are concerned for her well-being. There is no evidence that Michaela is injured or has come to harm. However, investigators must make contact with her to ensure she's safe. Hmm. When she was last seen, Michaela Bali was 5'2", she was petite, and she weighed about 114 pounds. Yeah, tiny. She had at the time blonde hair and blue eyes and suffered a bit from facial acne, although she was being treated with medication for that at the time and it was clearing up. Hmm. Michaela wore glasses and has been known to change her hair color from its natural reddish color to blonde and even dark. She's also known to wear her hair in different configurations, pulled down, pulled back, straight, or wavy. When she vanished, she was wearing teal glasses, Joseph Seibel burgundy suede embroidery boots, jeans, a burgundy coat, a teal infinity scarf, a ruby gemstone ring, and was carrying a blue plaid backpack. Sounds like a pretty uh, hip kid there. Yeah. Very, very... But it just sounds like somebody who's dressed to go to school also. Yeah, absolutely. Michaela may also have been using the name Michaela Niebergall, as she had on some of her social media profiles. Oh, that's interesting. RCMP have also been searching for a person of interest, and I put that in quotes. He was seen leaving the restaurant and bus depot at the same time as Michaela, and they may have even been together. Mm. From the Saskatchewan Crime Stoppers page on Michaela's disappearance, this unknown male has a tattoo below his left elbow, of a cross with flames around it. He's described as a male between 40 and 50, 5 foot 10 to 6 foot 2 in height, stocky, medium build with muscular arms, dark hair, wearing a dark navy vest jacket with an elastic waistband and back. He has a tattoo on his triceps bicep area of his right arm that appeared to be a circle with several designs with multiple colors. Has a scar or a scratch below his left eye on his cheek approximately three quarters to an inch in length. It appeared to be red in color. It's very, very descriptive and specific. I would imagine they wouldn't have a challenge finding that person in such a small town. 
They say he's not a suspect at this point. Mm -hmm. He is just a person of interest. He has not ever been found. Really? With all that specific stuff, they have never had a conversation with this guy. Did they get all of that from security footage or were the descriptions from, from the staff as well? Where I don't know specifically where they got that information from, but I know it wasn't security footage in the building because there was no security cameras. Oh, because my... It, Okay, because I was thinking if they had that much details, they should have been able to release a, f a photo, but I guess if it wasn't from security camera. Huh. Wow. Michaela's father, Rick Brait, wasn't spoken to until five days after her disappearance. One article I read said that Rick regrets the time lost between he and his daughter and that he just wants her to contact him so they can make up for lost time. Mm -hmm. On April 27, 2016, this is two weeks later, Michaela was still missing. Police had done many interviews, speaking to friends and family and potential witnesses, and run down tons of leads. Michaela's family and supporters held a candlelight vigil for Michaela in one of the parks in town. Yeah, I would imagine that I probably had a high turnout. A small, small town again, people very close. On July 8, 2016, just after Michaela's 17th birthday, RCMP and Paula Bali held a press conference. Here's some audio. For the past three months, the family of Michaela Bali has been living through their worst nightmare. Michaela, your snuggles and stories are missed by your brother and sister. It is with such sadness they ask, Mommy, could you take that day away and just bring Michaela home? That day was April 12th when then 16-year-old Michaela was last seen at a bus stop in Yorkton. Police have interviewed over 100 people trying to track her whereabouts, but with no success. Now, a call for help. The question we are asking the public is where were you on April the 12th? Police do have a man they are looking for, not considered a suspect, but may have useful information. He's described between 40 to 50 years old, between 5'10 to 6'2 in height, medium build, with dark hair, and has a tattoo below his left elbow of a cross with flares around it. For Michaela to have been missing since April the 12th and for us to know nothing about where she's been for the past months is very concerning to us. This week was Michaela's 17th birthday. Her mother, unable to celebrate with her, is left broken. I made a vow to protect and love you. I feel that I have failed you in my most important role of life as a mother because I can't protect you right now. Police still believe Michaela is alive and in Saskatchewan, possibly Regina or Saskatoon. But time is ticking and police are asking anyone with information to contact them or Crime Stoppers with hopes of putting this family's nightmare to an end. Brandon Gones, Global News. So there's our first glimpse uh, into what Paula is going through. Yeah, no matter any circumstance or situation, that, that's got to be tough. Really? That, that's got to be like I, yeah, nothing easy about that situation. No, you can hear the pain in yeah. her voice very evidently. Yeah. The fact that you have to come on, come out to the media and uh, talk about your missing child is just... The, it's horrific. It, absolutely. On October 6, 2016, RCMP held another press conference. Almost six months after Michaela's disappearance, police told the press that they had not yet been able to find the tattooed man possibly seen with Michaela, and they hadn't found Michaela herself. Mm-hmm. They had run down at least 130 tips from the public at this point, but still had no concrete idea where she might be. Crime Stoppers was offering a $2,000 reward for any information leading to Michaela's whereabouts. Paula Bali had also participated in the conference. Paula, her family, and supporters raised $25,000 to be put forward as a re reward for Michaela's safe return. Hmm. Here's a bit of audio from October 8th of Paula talking about that reward. We are pleased to announce that we have reached our goal and are offering a $25,000 reward for the safe return of Michaela Bali. It's been coined, it takes a village to raise a child, and I would add, it might take a country to find one. Our community has been an extraordinary support to Michaela and our family throughout this very difficult time. I'd like to give a special thanks to those who have responded to the appeal so generously. People have been incredibly supportive of the reward fund. Whether it was kids attending Vacation Bible School who donated their coins, the lemonade stands run by teenagers, bottle drives, hot dog fundraisers, 
GoFundMe pages, cash donations, silent auctions, steak suppers in Yorkton and Regina, and my supportive co-workers from the Ministry of Social Services, as well as local service clubs and churches. Every donation, whether small or large, has made an important contribution to this announcement. I'd like to thank Jerry Ann, Mary, and Sonia for working with us to achieve our reward goal and to the lawyer who's administering Michaela's reward fund. It is humbling and with gratitude, I thank every single person who has honored my daughter Michaela in such a way as to help bring her home. It is community that we see and the generosity of so many caring people who have supported this cause of one of our own who has gone missing. And this has been nothing short of extraordinary. It is why we're known as good people who care for others as if their own. We genuinely hope and pray that this reward will give courage to those who have knowledge of Michaela's whereabouts to come forward. Please continue to contact Yorkton RCMP or Missing Children's Society with your tips. Thank you. So there you go. Hmm. A very professional, uh, articulate uh, press conference. Very much so. Yeah. Over the intervening two and a half years, there have been reported but unconfirmed sightings of Michaela Bali across Western Canada. Hmm. Michaela's mother, Paula, has responded diligently to anything that appears credible. She's traveled to multiple cities looking for her daughter. She's even come here to Vancouver a couple of times and put up posters after sightings here. One was even apparently on the SkyTrain. That's quite uh, quite a lot of dedication to finding yes. the child. I mean, Absolutely it's, it's, it is. Yeah. Scott and I will take a break here, and when we come back, let's try to figure out exactly what happened to Michaela Bali. Yeah, let's do that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There has been much speculation and many questions around Michaela's disappearance. Some things don't add up. Mm -hmm. Why no Amber Alert? I'm assuming because of age? No. I looked into the criteria for Amber Alert in Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. According to Child Find Saskatchewan, the missing person is under 18 years of age, which she was. Uh, or as an individual with proven mental or physical disability. She was neither okay. of those. Things. Yeah, so she, yeah. An investigation has confirmed either abduction by a stranger or abduction, parental or non-parental, where circumstances lead police to believe that an abducted person is in danger of serious bodily harm or death. Here's more criteria. There is enough descriptive information about the abducted person or apprehension of the suspect. And it goes on. The alert can be issued in a time frame that would provide a reasonable expectation that the abducted person could be returned or the abductor could be apprehended prior to fleeing. I'm assuming then that it didn't go out, the Amber Alert, because they weren't thinking that she was abducted? I believe that is what the police feel. Because mm. if they continually say, which I have noticed on a lot of official sites by police, Interpol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on and on. We don't ex think foul play was There involved. was no yeah. foul play involved. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that indicate? It indicates to me that police believe she left on her own volition. Yeah, yeah. And clearly that's what, what they're thinking. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, even if they wanted to kind of dance that fine line of something may have happened, they say, we're concerned that foul play may have been involved. Like, they have ways that they can position it. Sure. So with them saying, we don't think there was. And that was over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. 
And what would lead them to believe this so firmly? Did they find something in Michaela's phone records, email, or social media profiles that might lead them to believe that she'd run away? Yeah, good, good point. I don't know. Um, obviously, they're not sharing that with us. Yeah. Should the police really be seeking this tattooed man, or is he just a red herring of some kind? I definitely think they should be pursuing him. I mean, if he left at the same time she did and she wasn't seen again, that's of concern. But I, I, it, it seems bizarre that they haven't been able to identify. You would even think the individual if, would be like, oh, that was me. I like. Yeah. I was just at, well, like, yeah, exactly. If I, I'm somebody who matches that description, I'm going to come forward. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just eating my, I was eating breakfast. Unless I'm and, a trucker and I'm, I, I've gone to BC and have never been back to Yorkton, Saskatchewan. I, oh, yeah. You know, there, there are reasons why the person may not. Yeah. You know, for sure. Michaela's behavior before she vanished indicated to us that she was waiting for someone specifically, I guess. Yeah. I distinctly got that feeling. Perhaps plans changed more than once, as indicated by her back-and-forth behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems logical. Police indicated they believe Michaela may have been taking at least one call and answering a number of text messages on the morning of her disappearance. But if that's the case, can't they... Subpoena the uh, right? telecom and get the texts and the call information, you would think that would be simple. She had the phone in her hand for most of the video that they were able to see. Yeah. So here's some screenshots of yeah. uh, Tim Hortons, and she's got the phone in her hand. So it's like she's waiting for something specific and she doesn't want to miss it. Like even when she's paying for coffee, like there's the phone kind yeah. of thing, just in case. Personally, I'd have it in my pocket so I could do my other business. But, yeah, same. You know, maybe she was using a secure app like WhatsApp, making it impossible for cops to determine what she may have been communicating and with who. Absolutely. that That is one app that makes it, well, damn near impossible. Yeah. But it's still a call, though, you would think would go through. You can make calls through WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah it's, that is true. Yeah, it's but interesting. Don't, don't I don't know think, if you could at, the, at that time, but... I'm sure you could. But don't you think, though, that the police would at least say, like, we couldn't find any evidence in, in her uh, call records? Why aren't they releasing more information about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Something's not right. Yeah, 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 clearly. Some folks diligently researching in Web Sleuths and on Reddit have looked at many of the social media profiles attributed to Michaela, and this was under at least 12 aliases as well as Michaela Niebergall, which we previously mentioned. Huh, so, 12. Yeah, 12. Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite common to have multiple social media accounts. Especially if you're a kid and you don't want your parents for, like, breathing down your neck or whatever. For sure, but 12 aliases is interesting. Interesting, given it, the circumstances. Yeah. Maybe she was trying to keep someone from easily finding her online or, you know, just like I said, trying to keep ahead of the folks. There's a lot of, re I mean, people will have just trolling accounts. People will have, like, there's a lot of reasons people have multiple, but it 12 seems a bit excessive in my opinion, but. The internet is a tricky place for young girls and women. Very. Uh, the Amanda Todd case from here in BC came to mind. Just a heartbreaking case. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Amanda Todd was a BC teenager who committed suicide after being bullied online by a man from the Netherlands after sharing sexually explicit photos uh, of her. Yeah, blackmailing her, the works. That man, Aidan Coban, was later convicted and sentenced to 11 years behind bars for those crimes and others involving 34 other underage victims. Yeah, yeah. The so Amanda just a really fantastic man. Yeah, this was a terrible case, and it really brought uh, online bullying uh, to a whole new level. So we're planning on a full show on this case, on Amanda's case, obviously. Yeah. But you could see kind of the parallels. Here's this young girl, and we're not really sure what was going on with her on the internet. Yep. Was she being stalked? Or like many teens, just, as I said, trying to hide her social media from prying parental eyes. You would think if being stalked, though, I can understand maybe not wanting to talk to your parents, but she would have, like, you would tell friends and stuff that. So like, Sure. Uh. I was briefly in a Facebook group called True Crime Talk Missing Michaela Bali, and it was run by one of the Reddit posters who claimed to have screenshots of Michaela's social media, so I was interested about that. For sure. There's a message saying in all caps for the group, family is not allowed in this group. Uh, oh. And it's all caps, lots of stars around it. Yeah. 
Please do not waste your time threatening me and telling me what I can and cannot do with the group. This means you, Paula. So Ooh. that's very that's direct. Michaela's mother. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. The questions to get into the group are, are you relate to Michaela? And which I answered no. And the misspelling of related is, is theirs, not mine. <laughs> And where did you hear about this case? I answered honestly and said I'd heard about it on the news initially, and I even edited uh, my answer to include that I'm a podcaster looking to research the case. Yeah, so very transparent. Yeah. Not trying to hide. No. I was let in, Mm -hmm. and I browsed around for about 15 minutes, and I found a lot of interesting things. Before I was kicked out of the group and banned, completely blocked from even seeing the group. Had you posted something? By by one of the admins. No, I had not. So I guess after the fact, somebody, somebody realized, oh shit. So yeah, it's not like you said something and they're like, we said like, no, just no browsing and then out I bye-bye. Went. It was kind of obvious why I got booted out of there even before it happened. Uh, I won't get into why, but the tone of the group wasn't one I usually find appealing in true crime groups. Interesting. It kind of had a vigilante feel to it, but yeah. honestly, like, I think they're people who really believe they're trying to help Michaela and they want what's best for her, what they believe is best for her. So I'd like to have some rational conversation with them, but no such luck because they gave me the boot. Yeah, and I do. I agree with you. I'm sure their their intent is well-meant, and I'm sure that they, from their perspective, are trying to... F- help move the case forward. But, and uh, you know. I was curious about, a, especially, you know, they don't want the family in there for some reason. So what is it that they have? Honestly, it does seem if you bit, do have something, please share it with the police. It does seem a bit odd to have a, gr- a Facebook closed group that doesn't want to allow anybody in it who might be able to help move it forward. Yeah, I don't But know. again, it's eh, whatever. It, Maybe they're moving it forward on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing before we get into what I found there, I want to provide a bit of advice. I'm not saying any of these things were going on in this group. I just want to share some wisdom. I did not see anything. If you're saying things about people that could be seen as defamatory or libelous, a Facebook group closed or not is not the best place for you to do that. Facebook will not protect you in the event someone wishes to take legal action against you. In the event that the records of those conversations are subpoenaed, Facebook will provide the person or corporation you're slandering with the records of those conversations. They just have to show reasonable grounds to a judge to allow the subpoena. Someone, not me, but someone, could have screenshots of your conversations that may open that door, which once opened, you cannot close. Trusting that Facebook will keep your information private could be a very costly mistake. Facebook's terms of service are very clear about this kind of thing. Rant done. Uh, In the group, there are screenshots of various social media profiles of Michaela shared by, quote, friends of hers. Uh, The tone of Michaela's posts is that of a sad, perhaps depressed and lonely girl. Mm. We've seen that before. Yeah. There are references to recovery and that Michaela was sorry for having put her friends through, quote, stress. Oh. She had been self-harming since 2013, according to these posts. Interesting. Okay. And I wanted some corroboration on this, and I found some. In fact, the Interpol description of Michaela in her case there corroborates this. Here's what Interpol had to say. Distinguishing marks and characteristics. This is after the regular description that Mm -hmm. they usually give. And this is very detailed. Scar of a stitch on her left hand. Light birthmark size of a dime on her jaw, right side. Mole on the right side of her chin. Couple scars on her forehead between her eyes from chicken pox. Fair amount of scars on upper thigh from self-harm, side unknown, and protruding front teeth. Oh, very descriptive. Yeah. And the self, yeah, so they, they do corroborate the self-harm scars. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but why why don't we see that part of the description here in Canada? You... Would want as many specific descriptors yeah, yeah, exactly. out there. To help you find To them. help identify. Yeah. Absolutely. Some of the members in this group put forward a theory that Michaela may have been lured by a stranger, which definitely she could have been. Mm-hmm. Even someone other than Tattoo Man. Sure. They surmise that Michaela was not okay and that she may have been sexually trafficked or even worse, murdered. Okay. As far as sexual trafficking goes... 
it is a growing phenomenon here in Canada from the daughterproject.ca and please check that site out. It's very good about uh, trafficking. Mm. Trafficking of humans is considered one of the fastest growing criminal activities in the world today. Too often we have seen the mindset that this issue will only occur quote somewhere else when in fact it's happening right here at home. Because much of these events go unreported, statistics are hard to collect. Some NGOs, based on reported incidents, estimate that 10,000 Canadians are trafficked domestically each year. Jesus, that's terrifying, that number. You see it all over the place. Carol mentioned it in, in Las Vegas. She said she sat down to go to the washroom, and right in front of her was a sticker on the door that said, if you are being sexually trafficked, please call this number. Really? Right away. Eh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's how common this is becoming. It's terrifying. It is horrifying. There were other uncorroborated notes from friends who had spoken about Michaela, and they'd allegedly said things like, I don't know why this is going on and on. No one cares. Mm-hmm. I don't care to speak. In fact, I don't care at all. I already told the cops everything, so don't waste your time. Hmm. Yeah, she did weed sometimes. She even dropped, I think. She was desperate and... We expected she'd just kill herself one day, which is horrible. Like, what kind of friends are those? Yeah, yeah. Others aren't talking at all. However, if those are friends, who needs enemies? But it's concerning for somebody who has disappeared when friends are saying we'd expect she'd just kill herself one day. Like, that's a pretty concerning picture. So here's the thing. Maybe they're teenagers lying to protect Michaela from something. Maybe they're just making up a story like pretending they don't care, but they actually know. Kids are not good at keeping secrets. Teenagers, like it. Well, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, it, like I, could they maybe I'm keep still it not. quiet? <laughs> could, <laughs> could they maybe keep it quiet for a few weeks? Possibly. But months and years, I'm very skeptical. I did speak with someone very close to the case that I'll leave an anonymous source. That person believes that Michaela may have perceived insurmountable problems in her home Mm. and simply ran away and is now in hiding. You know, like, I I hate to say this, but I almost hope that's what it is because the thought that she's alive and well out there is great. Yeah. Uh, You know, considering the other options, but... The other options are are too horrific to imagine. Yeah. So, you know, like, I'm hoping that, that... That's what happened. On February 14th, 2017, the Sutina Nation in Alberta had a press release on their police force's Facebook page. Apparently, Michaela is believed to have been seen at the Grey Eagle Entertainment Center, and that was on January 20th, 2017. I don't know why a police force would post that they had actually seen the person without some really good evidence. Yeah, yeah. If it's an entertainment center or maybe even like a casino or something, I don't yeah. want to assume. Yeah. There would be lots of uh, lots of video there that yeah. maybe, maybe that's her. In 2017, I mean, that's a year ago. So, yep. I mean, technology, there would be copious amounts of video cameras. Yeah. Or security cameras. It gave her description again and numbers to call. Hmm. In August of 2017, interestingly, there was more searching near Michaela's school, presumably on a tip, but nothing further was found. Hmm. This case is another puzzler. She's still missing as of this recording. Michaela would be 19 years old today, an adult. Yeah. She would not get into any trouble if she came out and let folks know where she is. Well, that's something like I was I was thinking about, and, and I find concerning because, um, yeah, like at this point in time, she can't be forced to go back home. No, she's an adult. She can't be forced yep. to go back home. She can want nothing to do with anybody if there was all challenges she was facing at home. Yeah, she, she can just will, you know. But but we don't even know if that was the case. Oh no, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, like there, like if. If it was hypothetically, like, there's nothing that would, she can still say, I'm safe. Yeah. I'm here and not have to go back to whatever it was that she was struggling with. So what's stopping her? That's the concern. Yeah. That's the concern. 
Personally, though, Hmm. I know a few people who left home very young and haven't been willing or emotionally able to reach out to their families, and this is after 20-some years. But friends, though, if you were looking for them, you could find them? Like they were on social media and stuff? No, a lot of them have changed their names and... Really, eh? Okay. Yep. Wow, okay. So... Hmm. No, oh, okay. I mean, maybe Michaela is, is one of those people. She's just... I, I hope she's so. She's just cut and run. I, I hope so. And, you know, we're in no position to judge if that's what happened. I no. mean, we've all had our struggles. Absolutely. And, you know, I can understand somebody in her situation that age, potentially from what we hear, struggling with depression and whatnot. I can understand Yeah, just being a kid in this day and age looks tough. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many days, how many times when I was going through my depression, my overriding thought was always, I just want to run away. Yeah. just want to go live in a tree in the woods. You should have done that. (laughs) There's still time. There's still time, Mike. Don't don't limit me. But so like I can can relate to to that desire to Sure. Absolutely. Running away has always been a favorite thing of mine. I mean, I did run all the way across the nation. Yeah, but we still found you. Funnily enough, yeah. all the problems I was running from came with me too. Yeah. Because they were all in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, Michaela, if you're listening, reach out to us with a disposable email or something. Just let everybody know you're okay. Yeah. Podcast at gmail.com. And I'm not trying to be arrogant saying that we're going to be the ones to find you or whatever. It's not just your family who cares, and I know it may be hard to wrap your head around, but there's a lot of people out there who who really do care whether you're okay or not, and everybody hopes you are. I can assure you, each and every one of our listeners now cares. Absolutely, they do. We care. So we'd love to help with a positive outcome. Even if it's just, I'm okay. And something to corroborate, of course, because anybody could just create a fake account. But we're we're worried. It's a concerning case for me. Yeah. It, it's, I hope she's okay. If you know anything at all about Michaela Bali's whereabouts on the day of her disappearance, April 12, 2016, or any time after that, please contact RCMP at one 6518 or email them at rcmp.fbali.grc@rcmp-grc.gc.ca. Or call 911 in an emergency. Yeah. And I'll put this in the show notes. So if you are somebody who knows something, you can just click the link and it'll take you right to it. It's easier than having to remember that email address. So that's it for the Michaela Bali case. We do have something else we want to talk about today. Uh, I was going to save this for the after show. That's our after the show, after the show. Oh, is that why we called it that? Uh, or for an episode when we cover this case fully. But it is big news today. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not talking about the marijuana legalization. Oh, that's what I was expecting. No, we're talking about Paul Bernardo. Yep. There's, uh, it's, uh, some, he was in the news today. Briefly, Paul Bernardo was an Ontario serial rapist and co-murderer of three teenage girls with his wife, Carla Homolka, including Carla's own sister, The girl's names were Tammy Homolka, Leslie Mahaffey, and Kristen French. This notorious Canadian monster was up for parole for the first time on the day that we're recording this. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to talk about one of Canada's most notorious cases on a very interesting day. Yeah, one of Canada's most notorious pieces of shit. Did you read anything about the news that happened today, Scott? I know the outcome. So the outcome was, surprise, surprise, one of the most hated men in Canadian criminal history is not getting out of jail. There's, it, I, I will say now, there will be no time that he gets out of jail. He's not getting out. It was interesting that uh, some of the things that Paul Bernardo said at his uh, hearing today. Oh, I, I'm sure very little empathy. Well, here's the thing. He has been practicing his empathy. Okay. Very little genuine empathy. Right. The parole board said that his empathy seems very, quote, recent. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. It happened to be just when he's coming up for parole that he got empathy. It's conveniently recent. Yes. This is from CBC. One of the two parole board Canada members hearing the case, Susan Poirier, asked him at one point, would you say you used women as objects? And he says, back then, absolutely, he responded. And she says, how has this changed? And he says, I overuse sex 
and that led to those cognitive distortions, Bernardo said. I overly based my self-esteem on sex. And he even went on to say that he cries every day for what he had done. He, he, I'm sure those tears, if genuine or if actually happen, they're because he was caught. He's crying because, because he's, he's in, in a jail. little tiny cage. Yeah. I, I don't think a man who does what he has done at any point develops remorse for that. Yeah. At least 16 rapes and three murders. Yeah. I, I mean, can, can, can uh, violent offenders and murderers and stuff grow and show genuine uh, uh, remorse? Oh, absolutely. I just don't think he's one of them. With with the amount of crimes he has committed and how disgusting and heinous they are, he doesn't give a shit about women. <sighs> yes, so that's it. That's all we're going to talk about with Paul Bernardo. Before we go, we want to give some shout-outs to our new Patreon patrons. Woohoo! And we have some more good eggs Aww. this week. We have Elaine Martin from Columbus, Ohio. Thank you, Elaine, so much for your patronage of our show. And thank you so much for having one of the easiest names that I've had to pronounce <laughs> in a very long time. We thank you immensely, Elaine. A lot of these seem pretty easy to me, but I'm sure I'll muck one or two up. No, I just wait for another Russian episode. Yeah. We have Tess McIntyre from Richmond, B.C. Hey, Tess. Thanks, Tess, just over the bridge. Yeah, a short jaunt away. A little jaunt. I get my hair did by Heather. That's right. At Design Tech in Richmond. So if you ever need, uh, need a, a great hairdo, go see Heather P. Yep, I'm going to be calling her soon because I'm trying to grow my, my hair back for Good Mike. Good man. Good yeah. man. Della Gordon from Calgary, Alberta. Hey, Della. Thank you, Della. Cool name. Gina Merlin from Kemptville, Ontario. I met Gina in Nova Scotia at the meetup. Oh. She came to the meetup because she was in uh, Nova Scotia for a vacation and came along as a as a good yumber yarder would. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say Gina's a totes good people. Totes good egg. Yep, totes good egg. She is a totes good egg. She even saw me walking in the rain and offered to give me a drive later on. That's how you end. Was, that's how you end up the subject of a podcast. No, Mike. I don't think so. She seemed very nice. Uh, Stephanie Ray Miniak from Victoria. Hey, I did it again. I pronounced it. I do believe correctly. I think that sounds and great. She must have liked the way we pronounced it before because now she's up to her pledge to the prime ministerial Whoa. level. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. No kidding, wow. Stephanie Ray Miniak. Wow. From Victoria. So it's looking like Scott and I are going to have to do something in Victoria. So if you folks in Victoria really want to see us, let's set something up. So you guys plan it. Give us a range of dates. I would totes love that. It I've, would I've, have to be on a weekend, though, because Scott works through through the week, and yep. uh, and we want to both be there. I would I would totes. I, I love the island. I go out there fr relatively frequently. I've got some good friends, and some of them are listeners, like Stacy and would love to uh, do a meetup or something out there. So get on it, folks. How about that? The ball's in your court, Victoria. Yeah. Get her done. Come on. Timothy Stratton from Cottonwood, Arizona. Thanks, Timothy. Hey, We've Timothy. had some interactions with Timothy on uh, social media. Sweet. And finally, Stacy Ouellette from Vancouver, who was kind enough to send donut money via PayPal. She's now a patron as well. Whoa, double dipping. <sighs> thank you, Stacy. We cannot thank you enough. Whoa. Muchos gracias. Merci. Danke. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I just know the English. Thank you. Spasiba. Yeah. With the Russians? Do svidania? No. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah? Taco? <laughs> no, that's, that's something even... That's delicious, sir? That's more delicious. <laughs> That's, mm, I don't want to talk. Yeah, us. you're welcome. Thanks so much to our patrons past and present for your pledges. We really appreciate your support of the show. Hugs every day hugs. your way. Perma hugs. If you want to help support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash darkpoutine. Or for a one-time support, you can send us donut money via PayPal at our email address, darkpoutinepodcast.gmail.com. Check out our website, www.darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff, especially how to download this show and listen to it. <laughs> I know you're already listening, but 
we have actually created a, a page, darkpoutine.com slash listen, to teach the newer folks who are new to podcasts how to download the show and listen. Yeah, to, to a lot of us, it seems like the most basic thing, but we have to recognize that not everybody... 20% of Canadians know what a podcast is. Yeah, so that means 80% don't. Math, yes. Scott nailed it. He did it. Nailed it. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Dark Poutine and tell your friends about us. I'm thinking about Snapchat at some point. I don't know if any of our listeners use it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I have a Snapchat account, but I've never, I've deleted the app. (laughs) Especially fun is our closed Facebook group, The Yumber Yard. The 1,000 people member, Yumber Yard. We are like a small city. (laughs) It's very tiny, a spasm. Spuzzum. With a spuzzum. Yeah, now Scott's not being gross. There is actually a place in BC called Spuzzum. Yeah, yeah. My dad used to joke when we would be driving past it to Calgary or anywhere. Don't blink or you're going to miss Spuzzum. (laughs) You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast directory like iTunes, Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Spotify. We are so grateful that we are part of the Curious Cast Network. The music in the show that we use, um, some of the news clips. All this kind of stuff. Thank you so much, Curious Cast. You're helping us out in a big way. Absolutely. Loving it. That's it for this week. Don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Back next week with Halloween episodes. (laughs) Bye-bye. Showcase. You were in a concentration camp in World War II. I was a young man, locked up in a terrible place. Based on the international best-selling book. But I found something there. Someone. We must keep living. Whatever it takes. The Tattooist of Auschwitz. All new Sundays on Showcase. Stream on Stack TV.